greetings and welcome from wherever you are and whatever time you're tuning in. One of the great things about the DC Comics News Spinner Rack is that whenever you choose to press play, here we are. Whether it's those dwindling moments after the sun has set or that magical hour before it rises once again, you can always find the DC Comics News Spinner Rack here and ready to play whenever you are. We're in episode number 52, and right now the world is adapting and adjusting to the pandemic of the coronavirus COVID-19 and the impact it has had on all of our lives, including the comic book industry. Currently, there are no new books coming out, and because of that, there might be a question as to, well, what exactly can the spinner rack cover when there's no new books to review? Well, the great thing about the spinner rack is that it's not held by time, space, distance, or any other preconceived or conceived notions about who we are, where we are, and what we can do. Spinner Rack, because of that, can show us not only the present, but the past, and maybe one day, even the future. For this episode, we're going back in the past, all the way to January 2019, where I pick, for this episode, the top five books that came out that month discuss my thoughts on reading them now, and I'm looking forward to hearing your opinions about the books I've chosen. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my first choice, and for that one, we're going to be looking at The Batman Who Laughs, number two. Now, in this story by Scott Snyder, we have art by Jacques, colors by David Barron, Letters by Sal Cipriano, a cover by Jock as well, with Ben Oliver providing the variant cover. In this second issue, we have Batman injecting himself with all the defenses he can employ to keep the Batman who laughs insidious virus from taking over. In the meantime, not only is Batman facing a personal threat, but he's facing multiple attacks from many sides. Currently, the Joker is barely being kept alive in the Batcave. Batman needs to know what the Joker knows about the plans the Batman Who Laughs has made. But things are happening around town as well. Gotham is under attack. An assault of murders, a series of events in which Each discovery of a new body is the revelation that it's another Bruce Wayne from another time, from another universe, from throughout the multiverse. The Batman Who Laughs is striking, and he's striking at the heart of the conscious and the psyche of Batman. Along the way, he's brought a few weapons to employ, not just the infection that he has used to weaken Batman and to distract him mentally, but also attacking the infrastructure, responding to a plan that Batman had in place should Batman someday fall. A plan known as Last Laugh. It's interesting to tune in at this time and know what the final machinations of the Batman who laughs and his Last Laugh plan will be for those of us who've had a chance to read this story all the way through. But at this stage, it's very interesting to remember 
the threat of the Batman who laughs, what he is attempting to do to Batman and the city he loves, and about his silent partner, the Grim Knight, someone who, in some episodes on this show, I struggled to make clear, is Thomas Wayne. But he's Thomas Wayne, not as we know him in the Batman run where he takes on his own son, but he's a version of Batman who reminds you of the Thomas Wayne who, well, is taking on his son Batman. And yet you also get the feeling that this is a different Wayne. Whether he's Thomas or Bruce or anyone else, he's a Batman who's been pushed too far. Far enough that he's picked up a gun, become an expert at it, and he's fighting this war the only way he believes is left or is possible. More importantly, he is someone who is only aligned with the Batman who laughs, and his mission, his tasks, are singular. Nothing. Not Batman. Not Gordon, not any of the cast of characters who are part of what would normally be an approach to reason with Batman are available. And as the threat grows deeper and the attacks on the infrastructure of Batman's life continue, a question remains. How long can Batman continue to score off with the Batman who laughs before eventually, through some unwitting motion, He does exactly what the Batman who laughs wants, and in doing so, he fails in his objective to still be the Batman he believes he can be. This was a harrowing story to dive back into, and even though I've had the chance to read how the following chapters will continue and eventually conclude, in this moment, it's a reminder of what breathtaking ability the Batman who laughs is capable of in only this second issue. And even though we've seen him in metal and other storylines that exemplify just what he's capable of, clearly those were only the beginning and these opportunities to see his full press attack on Batman is very impressive and daunting. I really enjoyed revisiting this comic, looking back over its story, marveling at the beautiful art, the collaboration, the pencils, the shadows, the the tinge of red, and some really beautiful moments of storytelling. I give this a solid 5 out of 5. I'm happy to include it again, and I'm looking forward to talking more about books like this, not only in this episode, but as we continue managing our way through the COVID-19 coronavirus. And with that, let's go ahead and move into my second choice. And for that second choice, I went with Batman number 62, another title that came out in January of 2019. In this looking back episode, looking to our past and to some of the great books that came from it. Batman number 62, written by Tom King, with Art and cover by Mitch Gerard's Letters by Clayton Cowell. A very distinctive variant cover by Frank Miller and Alex Sinclair. And a story that opens with Batman, a prisoner, held in the clutches of Mr. Pig, Professor Pig. 
however you want to call him, he's Pig, the one spelled P-Y-G, the one who is known for ghoulish medical experiments and macabre designs on metahumans, superheroes, and what makes them who they are, and how he can remake them, or make them better. Batman's in his clutches, and as he plots to understand where he is, and then of course how he will get free, he's constantly faced with a question that he can't answer. He keeps asking himself, how did he get here? And the question appears to be two parts. One, how did he actually end up in the physical place where he is when the story begins? And two, how did he end up in a place where something like this could happen to him? How much of it has to do with the loss, suffering, and rejection he continues to experience after the wedding that he hoped would be the culmination of a love affair with Catwoman has fallen, has crumbled, is no longer something he can set his feet down on it as a firm foundation. And because of that, he is lost, he is distracted, broken. More importantly, he is trapped in a nightmare, one of many that are part of the plan that he is trying to unravel, one in which Batman is dealing with a Bane who has taken his city, a city he is struggling to protect, and a family that is under constant threat. Through this all, we discover the questions and the answers he is seeking to find, and the ways in which he is struggling to do that. What we have is a great example of how a story can stretch over more than one issue, and yet also contain these brilliant chapters that reveal to us not only what's going on in the moment, but the longer narrative. Part of this spanning and sprawling love story, as Tom King called it. Dropping into this story was pretty amazing for me because it allowed me to go back to that time when Batman and much of comics was still recovering almost a year later from the moment when Selina left him at the altar and the tragedy and conflict he began to face and how it appeared to be part of the long-term machinations of one Mr. Bane and a rather deceitful and insidious approach to taking down the Batman. This process of suffering he's experiencing is only the beginning of a very long, torturous march towards a painful and potentially rewarding conclusion. However you saw the end of Tom King's run is how you'll see this issue now looking back. But it was a great opportunity to remember again not only the great storytelling in the moment, but the overarching narrative that includes this chapter, and how so many of the figures that represent who Batman is, not only in his psyche, but in a dream state, are powerful examples of the stories that make up the man, the myth, the legend, the Dark Knight we have all come to enjoy, celebrate, and admire. 
This was another great chapter in a selection of great stories, and I'm happy to bring it to you with a score of 5 out of 5. Again, that's Batman number 62, the second of my top five books that were released in January 2019. As you may know, that was my second book, which is the moment when I have to pause and say it's time for an ad break, to pay some bills, to let you know what's going on at DC Comics News, and then to come back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for your patience, your understanding, and your willingness to catch up on all things going on at DC Comics News, and to come back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. We'll be back right after this. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am The Night. And just like that, we are back. Thanks for taking a break with us, catching up on all the comings and goings here at DC Comics News, and allowing us to pay a few bills and keep the lights on here at the DC Comics News Podcast Network Home Office. Now, how do you know you're back? Well, you can almost always know you're listening to the Spinner Rack when you hear in the distance the gentle, wonderfully soothing snarblings of my French Bulldog Bruno. He's a part of my life, a part of this podcast, part of nearly everything I do. And when you hear those snarbles and the sound of my voice, well, congratulations. You have discovered exactly where you are, and hopefully it's a place you want it to be. And for my third choice of this episode, number 52, one in which we are looking back on the top five books from January of 2019, I'm going to pull us right into... Heroes in Crisis, issue number four. A story written by Tom King, with art by Clay Mann, colors by Tomu Mori, letters by Clayton Cowell, with an original cover by Trevor Harrison and Rain Barreto, and a variant cover by Ryan Sook. In this story, we pick up with the attempt to understand what has happened in the first three issues of Heroes in Crisis. It's a place called Sanctuary, where heroes who have suffered trauma and tragedy can go, and in the seclusion and safety of anonymity and friendship, 
they can process their guilt, their trauma, and the conditions that have resulted because of it. But sanctuary has been disturbed, its hollowed halls broken by the actions of someone who has taken the lives of those who sought comfort and peace there. Some likely suspects are those who are fighting at the beginning of this narrative. And as we saw in the earlier issues, both Booster Gold and Harley Quinn believe that the other is responsible. Along the way, heroes who are trying to discover what might have happened, who's to blame, and if the sanctity of Sanctuary can still be maintained or restored, are processing the pain that they have also experienced. Now with this comes the opportunity to see different characters step in front of the camera, whether it's Barbara Gordon showing where she was shot by the Joker and how it has affected her. Donna Troy attempting to come in after bringing Tempest home from a bar and provide her thoughts without really being able to do more than sit down and stand back up. Booster believes he's guilty. He believes he's innocent. The lasso of truth from Wonder Woman says that he's telling the truth and that he didn't do it and believes it's Harley. And for, well, his good friend, Mr. Blue Beetle, that's really all it takes. By the time this issue has drawn to a close, not only have Blue and Gold reunited, but Barbara and Harley have had an opportunity to meet, preserve, and protect each other's attempt to still be the person who is trying to heal and work together to uncover who they believe might be responsible. In addition to the heroes trying to solve this crime, we now have Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Harley Quinn, and Blue Beetle and Booster Gold conducting their own investigations. The mixture of chaos and confusion, coupled with the zany natures of the characters I just mentioned, will lead to some very interesting stories in issues four or five and through the Heroes in Crisis 12-issue maxi. In this experience, I was reminded of just how daunting this story was when I first picked it up and how challenging it is to read, to witness some horrible feelings and struggles in addition to actions that permeate the lives of heroes and that they must find ways to process if they can hope to understand and heal from all the things they've experienced. Heroes in Crisis took a deep look at who heroes are and what happens to them after they've taken on the mantle and suffered the trials and tribulations that come with being a hero. It's not an easy look. There are no easy answers. And what's left is a sense of confusion doubt and uncertainty about the future and as unfortunate as that might be and as unfamiliar and uncomfortable as it might feel it's a layer of truth 
that is not always, if ever, brought into the discussion. And more importantly, it seems to be in this moment something that needs to be considered and included when we think about heroes moving forward. I was really moved by the attempt, the passion, and the challenge of Heroes in Crisis, and I really enjoyed going back in to this issue and looking back at a moment that is part of a narrative that I now know the ending to, and yet I can remember the confusion, the wonder, and the mystery that this issue first bring and still holds for me as I read through its pages. That was Heroes in Crisis, issue number four, which was my third choice here on episode number 52 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. That means it's time to move in to my fourth choice. And for that fourth choice, we are moving right into Young Justice, number one. In this story, where we get the chance to pick up with a great cast of characters who do not always have their own title, we get the chance to see just how Brian Michael Bendis chooses to start off his version of the Young Justice story. He's joined by Patrick Gleason on art, Alejandro Sanchez with colors, DC lettering providing the letters, with Gleason and Sanchez providing the original cover. Our story starts out with young Ginny Hex, a descendant of Jonah Hex, arriving in Metropolis and seemingly running afoul of local law enforcement within moments of her arrival. But that does not appear to be the only problem facing the city when invaders from Gemworld looking for Superman begin their attack. Ginny quickly picks up her rifle, gets to firing, and is joined by Robin. Not long after, a Green Lantern, unlike any other Green Lantern we've seen before, followed by Wonder Girl, as well as the appearance of Impulse, lets us know that Young Justice has returned. The planes soaring overhead might be a great reminder of the exultation that came from many when it was revealed this title had returned. And in this story, we get to dive right into the action, have a little bit of comedy, a touch of heart-to-heart for a love story with Robin that will be blooming in the issues to follow, and get the chance to experience a few new characters, like this new Green Lantern and Ginny Hex, driving a pickup and carrying more than a few wondrous items that even she is not sure she has with her. Along the way, we get the chance to reacquaint ourselves with some of the best parts of the characters that I have come to love, enjoy, and celebrate in whatever form they might take, whether it's here in comics or in the Young Justice cartoon on DC Universe or so many other forms I've seen them or these characters take on. Anytime we get together Robin, Impulse, and so many of the gang, I'm encouraged by the possibility and the adventure that I know is soon to follow. There's a wonderful 
spirit of exuberance that comes from this issue. And it's infectious, contagious, and one I'm happy to share with you, even as the snarblings of Bruno continue to grow in the distance. This was a great book, a really fun introduction. The story as it continues into Gem World and so many other facets of adventure, storytelling, and the wonders and magic that made this journey so much fun for me begin here with issue number one. And if you didn't get a chance to enjoy it or you're looking for a reason to go back, well, I'm hoping this episode of The Spinner Rack is a great encouragement for you. Young Justice number one, my first choice on episode number 52 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, a great five out of five selection and a perfect way for me to move into my fifth and final choice. And for that fifth and final choice, I had to go with Justice League number 15. A little full disclosure for you. If you look back to January of 2019, you'll see that not only this book, Justice League, had two issues come out in the month of January, issues number 15 and 16, but Batman also had issues number 62 and 63, and in those occasions, I had to make a tough choice. Now, there's a great discovery, a secret that is revealed in issue number 16 about the future of John Johns. But before that, what really caught my attention in issue number 15, and the reason I want to talk about it today, is the powerful world building that is on display in this story. Now, we've got a story that features the collaboration of Scott Snyder and James Tynan, James Tinian, James IV, James, well, I'll let him go ahead and correct me at some point, whether I've been getting it wrong, right, or never, however I try and pronounce it. Words were written by Tynan, Jim Chung, and Stephen Segovia, with Jim Chung and Stephen Segovia on the pencils, Mark Morales, Segovia on the inks, Tomo Mori, and Will Quintana on the colors, Tana Palo on the letters, Chung and Mori on the original cover, and Will Conrad and Alex Sinclair providing the variant cover. Two stories are occurring within this issue. Well, actually, there's more than two. But the two that I find myself most drawn to is one, the appearance of a legendary character from the early 90s, a version of Starman who might not have been the most celebrated at its time, and who made the classic heroic sacrifice during the Eclipso annual storyline one summer, but who has made a reappearance as a nexus to so many of the powerful elements that make up the universe, the cosmos, the multiverse, and how it is that Starman is connected. And then we also have a second story, one that is taking place far from here, one that reveals that the Martian Manhunter has not been missing or lost, but that he's been hiding, that the Martian Manhunter has been on a place known as Thanagar Prime. Thanagar Prime, a place that represents all of the best and most treasured of Thanagar, the Hawkworld homeworld. Thanagar Prime has a secret hidden deep in the bowels of its vaults, 
vaults that are crystalline in nature grow new caverns with each addition and have become a repository for worlds throughout the universe to store their most valuable possessions, whether they be treasures, weapons, or something altogether more powerful, more different, and more importantly, something that needs to be hidden from the prying eyes of those like heroes who might seek to remove this equalizing force and prevent it from ever being wielded the way worlds like the Dominators and others have in their attempts to destroy the dangerous threat they see Earth and other planets who have affected the universe on a cosmic scale. Part of the process has been the Martian Manhunter, John Johns, attempt to find a Martian, the only other of its kind, hidden away, kept a prisoner. John has revealed himself to Kendra and a few other allies who are seeking to help. John Stewart is among them, and because he is acting not in accordance with the Green Lantern Corps code, he finds himself on the wrong side of the law, much like his compatriots. But he has to believe that the thing he's fighting for is larger than the scope and scale of the intergalactic law that the Green Lantern Corps has sworn to protect. Within the bowels of the vault, John Johns makes a discovery, and through it, he will begin to unravel a mystery that has hidden deep within the history of the multiverse, one that introduces the idea of Martians and humans blended together to make the perfect warrior race, and how, after the defeat of this previous version of the cosmos, the two races were separated, always lost, always needing something from the other, the fire requiring the passion and the logic and the mental ability, and the mental ability weaker without the fire and passion that makes it so complete when the two are joined and a name that suggests a never-ending quality to that universe that came and was replaced. One that is perpetual. One that suggests a name we will all soon learn. Perpetua. Someone whose impact is still being felt throughout the Justice League and the world of superheroes. I really enjoyed the mystery and intrigue of this issue and watching it unfold and the discoveries made by John, not only about Danagar Prime, but about himself and the other remaining survivor of his planet Mars. Wonderful development here, and while 16 was a choice that I almost considered here in the spinner rack, it was this world building in 15 about Danagar Prime what it is, how it came to be, what it's come to represent, that for me was really magical. 
and created an identity for all of the things that the Justice League were about to invade and disrupt. Uh, nothing better than the foreshadowing of the challenges that are facing characters should they choose to follow through on their desires and act accordingly. The result is the beginning of a conflict that we are still, I believe, recovering from and whose ending has not yet come to its final conclusion. Looking to see where the earliest roots of Perpetua and Martian Manhunter's discovery about his own personal tragic history? Well, I recommend diving into Justice League number 15 and taking a look back at this great moment in great storytelling. And with that, that brings this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 52, to a close. That final book, Justice League number 15, was a perfect 5 out of 5 in my book. More importantly, though, as with that and all the books I've discussed today, my score is just one of many. Your score is what I really love to hear more about. How can you let me know what you're thinking, what your scores were, what books I was a genius for selecting or a fool for not including? Well, you can let me know on all of the social media channels that are out there. All you have to do is use the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. And when you use that at DC Comics News tag on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube, you let all of us here at the DC Comics News family know just what you're thinking and how we can do better in response to your thoughts, your questions, your opinions. In doing so, we also like to remind you that DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms. So whether you enjoy Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or so many others, if you haven't yet, please head over, subscribe to the podcast, and rate and review. We look forward to sharing more episodes of not only the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, but new podcast programming like the recent edition of I Am The Night. My co-conspirator Steve J. Ray from the DC Comics News podcast team providing his Batman the Animated Series episode-by-episode breakdown, one that if you enjoyed the series or are looking for reasons to watch it again, well, you've just been given yet another possibility. And of course, myself, Steve J. Ray, Kelly Gaines, Brad Flicky can be found on a weekly basis on the DC Comics News weekly podcast, a chance to catch up and check in on all of the news coming from DC Comics, whether it's movies, television, streaming, comics, or all of those other things that somehow seem to exist on the periphery. Once again, you've been listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network, and I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Happy to keep coming at you with top five picks, even when they're not new comic books. Come back next time for episode number 53. We'll be looking back at February 2019 and just what my top five books from that month are. What will they be? The only way to know is to subscribe now and never miss an episode so you can be back here next time. Until that time, we'd like to leave you with that little reminder that seems such the perfect way to always sign off. And that is to always read more. 
Comics. Thanks again for joining us. Stay safe out there, folks. Look forward to catching you next time here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Bye now.